morning. Beautiful out. Looks like half the congregation agrees. So, <laughs> All right, well, let's just get into it this morning. How many were here last week and heard Mark's message? Okay, keep your hand up if you've been thinking about it this week. Keep your hand up or switch it if you're tired of it blessed your life and messed with you. Okay. Um, I want you to participate with me here. Give me some words, uh, a word or two that would describe that experience for you, those of you that were here. And those of you that were not, I want to encourage you to go online and listen and experience and watch what happened because it, it was not a sermon. It was something else. I don't even know what you call it. But it was something to step into, and it was really good. So uh, tell me a word or two that you would use to describe what your experience was like or what you noticed on Sunday. Vulnerability. Vulnerability. And we're going to get to more of that. Yay! Everyone's so excited about that. What else? Authentic. Authentic. Another one. Those two are kind of... Yeah. Hope. Hope. Good. What else? Faith. Yeah. Real and raw. Raw is like the next word to vulnerability that's like, it just sums it down in one syllable and it's, oh, horrible to think about. Honesty, what? Not in control. Yeah. What? Blissful. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to look that word up. Um, what are some words? Now, give me some words to describe what you walked away with and what God is messing with you in. Only trust Him. Challenging, huh? We're talking more about that today. What else? Hope, yeah, yep. Letting go, yeah. How quickly things can change, yeah, that's good. What about up in the bleachers, back seats over here? Anything over here? All right, <laughs> I, won't, I won't make you feel any more awkward than I have to. Last week, we saw modeled before us, you know, I'm going to let Mark sit down so he can take this in. <laughs> a vulnerability that reaches a new level, wouldn't you say? See, vulnerability is challenging, but it's necessary to connect us with the things that God is doing in our lives, because when we don't have that, we can't connect to it the way that will bring life and will bring healing and will allow us to step into the freedom that he purchased for us. And what we saw witnessed uh, was unfiltered vulnerability and unprocessed vulnerability. See, oftentimes we think that vulnerability is something that we share that's private, but we can control the flow of information. So I can tell you things about my personal life, but I will think about it and then I will hand it to you and call it vulnerable because it's private. But I've already processed it, and then I've chosen to give it to you. 
and it's not as vulnerable as it may seem because I, it, I've processed it. There's no risk for me now. Vulnerability is risky. I can't think of a time where I've been authentically vulnerable and not felt fear in some way. That doesn't mean I gave into it, but I could feel the presence of it. What we saw, uh, what Mark gifted us with, was the understanding that God will lead us into places of vulnerability we have not processed yet and are in the middle of. And when we share that with people, we give them permission to engage their stuff. See, one of the most beautiful things that happened last week was the response and how when there is an invitation, if you're in this gap, meaning that you've been taken to the edge of yourself and you cannot see how to get across. The steps are not lined out for you in crayon. You don't know what's going to happen. All the creative tools I have cannot create a bridge to get me across. And the invitation was, if you felt that way, come up. And I don't even know what we're going to do about it. But we're going to admit it and confess it. And the majority of our congregation filled this place, which says something very powerful. We're not about behaving to belong anymore. Because what you did by saying, I'm there, it doesn't matter how you got there. We all have different ways that got us to that gap. It was saying, we're here and we're here together. And we trust that God's grace holds us. And in that we have peace when the world seems to be going to pieces. Okay. So I want to encourage us as a body and say this good work. I mean, who comes into church going, I want to confess I have a gap. Completely unfiltered and unprocessed. Actually, I just realized I have a gap. Let's share that. No, we're not going to go, I'm in line for that ride because that looks fun. No, but we did it. And that is what God is calling us to, to a place of authenticity and vulnerability where we can trust him. And we can trust him with the people around us. So it was a very sobering message. I didn't go out going, yippee! But I was, I was thoughtful about what was happening. And I know for me, I was having a gap. And that breathed life into me. So we're going to continue to build off of that. Because... To embrace God's grace, to be uh, carried by God's grace, to be embraced by God's grace, we have to trust God's grace. Do we not? We have to trust his love for us. We have to trust. We have to what? Trust. Everything that God tells us to do, every posture he tells us to step into is completely 100% reliant on trust. Grace, trust, mercy, trust, love, trust, thankfulness, trust, everything, trust. We have to trust him. That's why when we ask the two questions, it brings us under his lordship, which means I trust him. If I say, Lord, what do you want to say to me and how do you want me to respond? I have let go of the steering wheel and I've said, I trust you. Isn't that what hopefully we're saying by those, that posture? And oftentimes we find these wonderful realities in what we would call obscure passages. Mark said the passage that held him together uh, was verse 7, chapter 1 in Romans. And when you look at it, it's typical Paul. 
Paul says this, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's heard that before in Paul's letters in some shape or form? Typical Paul. And we go, yay. Now, if someone wrote in a letter to you, grace and peace to you from God our Father, how would you respond? Oh, nice sign-off. Yeah, probably, right? We'd probably go, oh, it's a nice sign-off, very generic. Who would see that as generic? You know it's not, but it would come off as generic, right? And then he gives us an open door to his life, and we go, that's not generic. Correct? That is not a generic passage. It's a reality. Now, what Paul says after that is something that we can overlook as well. So we, we get so used to hearing things that we can become numb to the power and the truth and the reality that it carries that is meant to help carry us. And it's about who God is, and it's always about trust. It's never absent of trust. And this is what we're going to look at today. Paul says this, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. Well, we're going, well, that's nice. And it's encouraging. If you heard a letter like that saying, I'm thankful for you. You're doing a good job. How many would like a letter that way? That was genuine. Paul, Paul, doesn't, Paul is not a liar. He doesn't say anything he doesn't mean. Because he doesn't have time to waste in his mind. He's not going to insult us that way. He's going to tell the truth. So we know he means this genuinely. And if I got a letter that said, hey, Brendan, good work. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for all God's doing in you. It's easy to dismiss that, but when it's true and it comes from a genuine place, it blesses our hearts. And it would be nice to hear that more, wouldn't it? <laughs> but what we're going to look at today is not November 25th, that's Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> but we are going to look at the word thanks. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. First, that means before anything else. Before anything else, this is my posture. I thank God for you through Jesus Christ. See, we can take that word thank and thankfulness, thanksgiving, whatever you want to do it, and we have our own definition, do we not? When you go to a store, let's say you go to a coffee shop, and you exchange money, and you get your coffee, what do you say to the barista? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. When someone gives you something, what do you say? Thank you. Let's be clear on something first. Thanksgiving, thankfulness, has nothing to do with etiquette. It has everything to do with posture and trust. Now, when I'm at a coffee shop, and I know I'm going to be there again, I'm super nice. Right? When we think of Thanksgiving, when you say thank you, what are you, what are you conveying? Tell me, what are you conveying? And be honest. Gratefulness. I got my coffee today. Woo. Thank you. What else? I appreciate you. Why do we say thank you? Why are we taught to say thank you? I appreciate you. What else? It's expected. Why? Good manners? 
a polite, a semblance of respect. But how often do we say thank you and please? And it's never self-serving. Rarely. And I'll be the first to say I've used thank you and please to manipulate a good relationship with that barista or someone else. Because kindness goes a long way to get more of what you want. Let's be honest about that, right? A little schmoozing. Thank you. How are you doing today? I don't really care, but I want a free coffee. Here comes the eye contact. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm looking at you. I'm connecting with you. I'm looking into your soul. Thank you for my coffee. Oh, I'm going to have to give him a free coffee. Boom. Now, that's not all the time, right? Obviously, we're exaggerating a little bit and joking. But oftentimes, we use thank yous, we use please, we use that etiquette to position ourselves. Now, sometimes we use it to get out of receiving good things. So if someone, I, now I am, I am uh, numero uno when it comes to what I'm about to tell you. Brendan, I want to tell you that was a great message today. It blessed me. Thanks, because I can't, can't deal with the awkwardness. Thank you. Thank you. I'm leaving. Thank you. I said thank you. What more do you want? I don't know how to respond. I feel uncomfortable because I'm self-diminishing by nature. Thank you. Who's done that? Thank you is your exit strategy. Or it's your entrance into getting something for yourself. And I do believe there are times we are really thankful. But oftentimes we use it so much. And so when Thanksgiving comes around, Lord, thank you for this food. Oh, we're thankful for the Lord. What does it mean? What does it mean? Well, when Paul uses in, in Greek, uh, I'm terrible at pronouncing this, it's eucharisteo, which means good and grace. So it means thankful for God's good grace. So really, when Paul is using it, he is acknowledging God's goodness and grace. It's a posture of acknowledging God's goodness and his grace. It's really what it is. I mean, think about it. When you look at your dinner, and you really think about what thankful means for that. That food is in front of you. You're not starving. You've been blessed with provision. We are giving thanks, acknowledgement to God's goodness and his grace. Now, his goodness is not relying on any circumstance. He is good without having to do anything. And out of his goodness, he provides. He loves. He pours his grace. He pours his mercy. All of those things. God alone is good. It's another word, right? We take and we say, how are you doing? Good. No, if you were good the way God is good, your body would be freaking out right now and you would not know what to say. That actually hurt my back, so I'm not going to do that again. One time thing, John. No one says I don't commit though, right? But they go, that person's weird. But that's how good he is, beyond what words can say, beyond those things. And thankfulness is no different. Thankfulness is 100% reliant on trust. Because if you're acknowledging God's goodness and his grace, that means you what? You trust his goodness and his grace. If I go, I am thankful, I've acknowledged that God's goodness and his grace are evident right here. And they can't be held by circumstances. 
can't be held by circumstances. Circumstances cannot determine any longer our thankfulness. Because here's the deal. Paul says this, I thank God, I thank my God through whom? Jesus Christ. Paul is a guy that has done everything wrong in his life for the best of intentions in his mind, has an encounter with Jesus, and, and for no reason he can come up with, with his created mind, would know why Jesus would choose him and love him so unconditionally. He can't come up with a reason. We spend our whole lives trying to come up for a reason why God loves us. Even when we said, I accept the fact that he loves me. But we still wrestle with it, do we not? Man, the circumstances of my life, which include my bad decisions, are dictating how I'm going to receive and embrace the love of God. We allow circumstances to dictate the things that, of God that cannot be dictated by circumstances. God is still good, even with the mess around us. He's still good. God is still loving, even though things around us seem like they're falling apart. God's still holding things together, even though our naked eye sees things differently. Because what we see is the gap. What he sees is life in the midst of the gap. There is no gap for him. We see it that way because when we're taken to the edge, we have no more answers. Your created mind can't think of anything else to get to the other side. And oftentimes we need to get there so that we can let go that word, let go, and I'm not talking about let go, let God, in that bumper sticker sense, something deeper than that. A surrendered sense of self, allowing yourself to go through the process of letting go, allowing yourself to feel what you're going to feel like we saw last week. Mark didn't come up here with answers. He didn't come up with how to fix his situation. He came up here and said, this is what's happening, but I know God is good and his grace holds me. Because there's trust. So what we saw last week was actually an example of thanksgiving. Because he acknowledged God's grace and acknowledged God's what? Goodness. It's more than just being appreciative. It's a posture into what is real. And our lives exemplify the acknowledgement of that goodness and that grace. And then we can be held by it and that's why I can be thankful in all things, no matter what the circumstances. Those all things can be terrible. But we look at our lives with an end date so much, even as Christians, do we not? We go, Phew. life's hard, and, and it is, and it's challenging, and we panic. I do sometimes. Does anyone else panic? Thank you. We can start a club. And we know God's grace is good. We know his love is good. We know that. But do we do and step into what we know? I would like to more often. But we look at it like we have an end date. And so we fear that end date. But Jesus is all about about taking endings and making beginnings. And that's what he does. Death has lost its sting. We are told that. It's a reality. We should be thankful. We can step in and trust of God's grace and his goodness because we know nothing, nothing of death that resembles death or sin can hold what Jesus is doing in here. Nothing can, but yet we give it permission to. That's why Paul says, 
first, first, the first thing above all things that I do is I give thanks because it postures me in trust under his lordship. And no matter what the day brings, it cannot rob me of my posture of saying, God is good. I am thankful. I acknowledge that. Look at my life. I am thankful. The circumstances might be terrible. Guess what, Paul says? When I'm in prison praising Jesus in terrible circumstances, prison guards are coming to Christ. Because they see me thankful. When circumstances say I should not be. Even in the worst, I'm held by God's goodness and his grace. Even in the worst. So we see, if we want to change, see the climate change. What if we saw thankful Christians and not complaining Christians? That's not to be a dig. It's to say, I'm one of them. I complain a lot. I'm first in line with some of that. But what if the world saw us and the acknowledgement, living into the acknowledgement of God's goodness and great grace that displays thanksgiving, what do you think that would do to your context? If you were able, no matter your circumstance, no matter what your marriage looks like, no matter what your work situation looks like, no matter the landscape of your family or your personal life, you might feel like an island. You might, and, and these are all serious things. I am not dismissing them. They're serious realities. But what would it look like if we took a posture as Paul did in prison and gave thanks and worshiped God, even in the midst of that? What do you think not only would happen to you, but the people that are watching you? Tell me. Do you think the context would change? The, the, the climate would change? You can't defeat a person that's thankful in the midst of the storm. How do you beat someone like that? People were frustrated with Paul because they could stone him, they could hurt him, they could put him in prison, but nothing would change the fact that he was thankful. It brings people that are frustrated, they're trying to hurt you, they're frustrated with you because they can't crack you because you are in the very presence of God and thankful that they have to come to a point where they cannot think of any reason why that should happen the way it's happening and then they have to go to the only place that they can go, to the feet of Jesus. It's the only place they can go to find an answer for why we are so thankful and why there's nothing anyone can do to us that can break us from that. Because we are always trusting and acknowledging God's goodness. There's something to be said. How many of you are parents? One way, shape, or form. Or been around kids. All right, I've got about six months left with Gracie before. I can't tell any stories without her permission. So, <laughs> my oldest daughter... And my son, Emmett, has a long road ahead of him. <laughs> but how many of you have had those days when they were young, if they're not young already, where you, you are so angry with them, they make you think things you probably wouldn't want to say out loud, and then the next moment they do something so cute that you're mad you can't be mad anymore? Who's been there? Yeah. Some of you have your kids sitting next to you, and they're like, ha look at my four-year-old manipulation at work. And then the other way, right? They're so great, and then on a dime, they just, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing. You're like, what is going on? 
But there's something about them that is so pure. I mean, they feel what they feel. And there's really, there's really no break on that. There's no subtlety about it. It's either they're mad, ah, or they're like, yay, they're freaking out. Well, I, I don't remember exactly what we gave my daughter. Uh, Shannon and I gave her something, and I, and I don't remember if it was at Christmas Easter or something. Could have been Red Bull. She's, well, she's where Red Bull comes from. <laughs> so uh, those of you that know her, you know I'm telling the truth. And we gave her something that she wanted. And I, I really, it wasn't about what we gave her. And it was one of those few times, have you seen your kid express thankfulness in a way that words don't do justice? Who's seen that? The energy, the passion. And what does that do to you? You just, you're, you're beaming. And I remember she looked at, and we had it on video, and she freaked out. She's running all over the place. I can't even do the maneuvers. Most fighter jets can't do the maneuvers she was doing in our living room of how excited she was and how thankful. And I remember it was one of the few, it's one of the few times that she let go of what she had and she ran to mom and dad and said how thankful she was. It wasn't about what she got. It was that she knew she was secure in the love that we have for her. Our love for her held her. And because of that, because of that, she was like, wow, yes, this is amazing. I love you. She wrapped her arms around. I store that in my mind for when she's 16. She goes, get away from me. (laughs) But that's thankfulness. It's an acknowledgement with heart, mind, body, and soul that you can trust the love of God, the grace of God to hold you no matter the gap. No matter the storm, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to go, God gave me this wonderful thing. That's great. But I love him because he's good, because he's good. Not because of what he did necessarily out of his goodness, but he's worthy of it. So I trust that he'll hold me. I trust that his love is good. I trust his grace and mercy. That's why Mark and others can get up here and say, here I am, unfiltered, unprocessed, because I'm held in the very love and grace of God. And I trust that. And that is my thankfulness to God the Father. Now that brings a whole different element to Turkey Day. Whole different element to that season. It cannot be contained in a season. It is an everyday moment of acknowledging God's goodness and his grace. And people who don't know God will get frustrated and have to fall to their knees and admit they have no answers for what they're seeing in front of them, except to surrender. It would be easy to take the bait of the fool's gold around us and fight fights that are not ours to fight and think we're making a difference. Our best fighting is to stay in thankfulness no matter the conditions of this world because it will crumble the plans of the enemy. It does crumble the plans of the enemy. It has. Because death as we know it, has no sting. Remember, we're with God for eternity. So we are postured in the very grace and favor of God when we call him Lord, when we walk with him. There's no end date. And you can't filter it through your experience anymore. You can't go, well, I, why do I deserve this? Why do, 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 do? It doesn't matter. He's given it to you. He loves you. Whether you believe it or not, he loves you. 
And as we trust that, we're going to see things around us change. That doesn't mean there aren't things God calls us to do that are intentional, that may affect social justice and all this, but it's always going to come from trusting God and his agenda. Not yours, not mine. It's interesting, there was an article, and who knows what's true these days, I don't even know. But there was an article that um, the president has signed something for pastors to be able to push their political agendas and tell their congregations to vote for this person or that person, have a freedom to express their beliefs. And here's the deal. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But I will tell you this. If we lose sight of Jesus and take the fool's gold around us, we will lose every time. We will not be able to connect to thankfulness because we're not operating out of his goodness and his grace, but our agenda to fight for him. Is that to say that there aren't things that we need to engage? No. Some of those things are important, but they're only... They're only important if Jesus leads us into those places. Because remember, we're not fighting for just quality of life within our time. We are fighting for people to know the intimacy and the love of God so that they can have love love with God for all time. Not just the end of our time, but for all time. We've We've got to look bigger. We've got to see beyond our own end date on this earth and see that there is a kingdom here that is here and near and getting bigger. God's reign and his purposes for our lives are becoming more clear and the hard circumstances are only helping us because people are finally acknowledging the only one that can breathe life is Jesus himself. And we're all here that testify to that. We're here because God's done something in us and we've allowed him to that has changed our world, our own personal world. So I find my mission is simply this, to illustrate the love of God in my life, how he sees fit. And if he wants to use my life and be vulnerable about it, then I will. And we're all called to do that. Raise your hand if you believe your life is his. Okay, have a fun week. <laughs> because he's going to call us to the places of vulnerability and authenticity. And really what that means is that when he calls us to be vulnerable, we're there. Even if it's not processed. Because do we trust him? When we trust, we're exuding thankfulness. And people respond. Look at look what happened when Mark finally said, and it was hard for him. He doesn't like, vulnerability is not his go-to. It's not most people's go-to. How many go, hey, vulnerability, hey, let's be raw. That sounds like fun. I hope you can see all my stuff that I'm ashamed of and that I'm struggling with. As long as it blesses you. That's not everyone's go-to move. But do you see how it freed us up as a congregation? Imagine if the world gets a glimpse of that through your life. Game changer, amen? All right, let's pray. Because I'll preach more in the closing. It's a two-part sermon. I'm just kidding, don't leave now. (laughs) But let's enter in and, and listen to what God has to say to us.
Lord, we're here. We're with you as you are with us. And um, we ask in Jesus' name that we would be uh, aware of you, aware of what you want to say to us, that you um, reveal yourself with clarity. Actually, I take that back. You do reveal yourself with clarity. I just pray that we'd see you with clarity. Lord, we, th- we thank you for you. We acknowledge you. We acknowledge your goodness. We acknowledge your grace. And I pray that every day we would posture ourselves in thanksgiving. That the first thing that we do is give thanks, no matter what circumstances we wake up to. And we trust that you hold us, even in the midst of that gap. We trust you. Lord, as we take our tithes and our offerings, we give out of that place of trust and thanksgiving. It is a delight to give. As you give, as you've modeled for us all that you give, Lord, we give out of thanksgiving and trust. I ask in Jesus' name that as we enter and worship this morning, that we would understand that worship is an opportunity to express that thanksgiving, that acknowledgement of your grace and your goodness. That we wouldn't see it as something that we receive necessarily, but something we experience with you. We posture ourselves to give you all the glory. I pray against um, the tendency and the temptation to repress what it is you're doing inside of us, but that we would allow ourselves to express your goodness in our worship. If that means we're sitting with our head down, processing your goodness and being thankful, great. If it means we're raising our hands, great. But I pray against the tendency to judge how someone else's worship and and expresses their thankfulness and pray that we would be free to just say glory, glory, glory to the Lord God Almighty. We are thankful. So we worship you now in spirit and truth in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I'm staring at 
Lord, I 